You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Welcome to another episode of Stadium in Gale. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Delatory. Same corner, same time. It's President's Day, right? I always get Veterans it Day. And pre it's President's Day. Happy President's Day. How y'all boys feeling? Y'all good? Good. Good. I uh, had, a, had a great week in Canada. Back just in time to, to celebrate President's Day. Um but uh, but yeah, no, it's good to be back. Do you guys want to do a, a one through forty six ranking of presidents today? Or yeah, yeah, let's definitely jump into the politics. Uh, okay, perfect. I didn't prepare. <laughs> Maybe we can do that my, next week. Did you stats. bring back any maple syrup, Daniel? No, uh, but they they do love maple syrup up there. I did bring back some bourbon. Um, mm. Those bourbon drinkers, especially in Florida, know that it has been hard to find. Buffalo Trace, Blanton's, those kind of things. Uh, Eagle Rare here in uh, Florida, but in Canada, it is overflowing. So brought back some bottles of bourbon uh, that, uh, by the way, shout out to America. Shout out to the dollar bill. Uh, the spending power in Canada is absolutely incredible. Basically, everything's like 30% off. So uh, shout out to the U.S. economy. Shout out to the, uh, to the U.S. dollar as well. No, you didn't bring back any Crown Royal, Royal. No, no, no. I can find that pretty easily here. Um, but uh, let's no see. I had some over there. Say what? No exclusive. Uh, no, no exclusives. Crown. No, no, uh, no Canadian exclusives over there. I uh, did have some poutine. Uh, what else? Um, It'd be wild. Big tobacco. Like a... Big tobacco state, by the way. Uh, a lot of smokers up there. A lot of chewing tobacco. Uh, they don't uh, allow you to sell nicotine pouches. Uh, which we'll talk about Lucy here in a second, but uh, just kind of an interesting place. Whistler, beautiful. Uh, anybody that's a skier would highly encourage you to go uh, visit Whistler. So had a uh, had a great time up there. But uh, enough about me. Uh, Nick, baseball got canceled. So uh, how was your weekend? Yeah, um, had some people over. Watch the fights on Saturday. Uh, good UFC card Sunday. Just hung out with the wife. Um, baseball got. Swept by St. John's, technically. Yeah, well, uh, I don't think they got swept. I think they just lost uh, one game. So I think you have to lose one game sweep. So one game sweep. So how's your weekend? Uh man, a little gloomy with the weather, but yeah, a little bit of the same, man. Just been working, uh, knocking out these roll-up interviews in person. So uh, we had Kermit Whitfield this week. We shot out. We shot down uh, so far D. Gordon. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson and Chris Johnson. We got Zach Carter on deck. We just, you know, knocking out some work for this relaunch, and you know, just work, bro. Not a whole have lot you, going on. Have you seen Zach since he got to Cincinnati? I seen him last off season uh, when I went up there to do some beyond the chunk work in the summer. He was working out with Malik Davis and those guys, man. But he's a true defensive tackle now. I tell you bro, that. he blew up. That's what I was gonna oh, say. Man. He blew up. Yeah. No, no, no tweener anymore. When you when you talked about him going into the draft, you're like, ah, a little undersized, maybe a 
weak side defensive end. Uh, uh, not anymore. Not anymore. True, true defensive tackle. He was Big talking boy. about workouts, and uh, at that time, him and Uma Nealon was was talking about the difference between college and pro workouts. And he was saying, like, man, listen, I do more yoga and just random workouts and balance stuff than I do all that strength and and slaying weights around. So. Yeah, he's a true D tackle now, man. It's going to be interesting to catch up with him now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we got a, a big show today. We have Sean Kelly, the new voice of the Gators. So I guess he's not new anymore. He's been here a few years now since Mick Hubert retired. And then we got Neil Blackman coming on to talk a little bit more about Florida Gators basketball, which has won seven of the last eight. Uh, I believe, and uh, right now, uh, definitely in the uh, in the picture and in the hunt for a decent spot uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Todd Golden and Portal God Todd is now four and zero against Mike White, which I know mm. disappoints a lot of former uh, fans of Mike White, and definitely the uh, Florida Gators beat, which seems sad every time Mike White uh, loses. Not you, Nick, just some other folks in general. But uh, before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at Lucy. Lucy is a made, or pardon me, a, a deliver straight to your door nicotine pouch, 100% pure nicotine and will always 100% tobacco free, anywhere from two milligrams all the way up to 12 milligrams. Uh, if you are a user, probably the four to eight, if you've been underwhelmed potentially uh, by what you might be able to find at the gas station, 12 might be the way to go for you. Mint, apple ice, espresso, mango, all whole. A lot of different options for you flavor-wise. They also do a monthly subscription, which allows you to save 15% off of your order. There is no commitment. You can cancel at any time. So again, uh, we've talked about Lucy a lot on this show. I know Nick has used it. I know I have. Um, great product, great quality. So encourage you, if that is a path that you want to go down from a nicotine pouch perspective, go take a look at lucy.co forward slash stadium. You'll get 20% off of your order and free shipping all of the time. Here's the fine print. Lucy products are only for adults of legal age and every order is age verified. This product does contain nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical. Okay. Perfect. I like Joe. this little. Uh, they have a little trash pouch for you there on top, Dan. Yeah, it's creative. Dump your pouch, dump it in there. You're good to go. Good to Don't go. Litter. Good to go. I appreciate the show and tell, Nick. That was great. Um, uh, so uh, obviously, a lot of announcements uh, to uh, to talk about. We might uh, split these up a little bit depending on when Sean joins us this morning. Uh, but first piece of news is uh, assistant offensive line coach Darnell Stapleton is headed to the NFL. We've been hinting at this for a few months that there might be a shakeup on the offensive side of the ball with the NFL. This is what we were alluding to. Uh, there was a, a hope for for a, a long time now to uh, to be back in the NFL. Uh, so Darnell Stapleton, former uh, Pittsburgh Steeler and two year Florida Gator offensive line coach, is heading to the Washington Commanders, uh, joining Brian Johnson and a few other uh, former Gators under. Dan Quinn, who was the uh, Gators defense coordinator uh, with uh, with Will Muschamp. So, uh, Nick, that leaves an open spot on the offensive side of the ball. You've been hammering home every single time somebody asks. There's not an open position on the offensive side of the ball. And sure enough, now there is. So your excuses are done. So, Nick, what's Florida going to do here uh, with their open uh, coaching roster spot? Yeah, well, you've got – 
less than three weeks to um, until spring. So I don't know that you'll, I don't know that Billy Napier has shown uh, that he rushes to hirings or decisions. So I don't know that right. you'll have a offensive coordinator uh, picked outside of him for that. I don't know that you'll have another coach picked. I think last year, um, Kerry Colbert leaves for the NFL and then you saw uh, David Decker move move into an on-field role. I could see Ryan O'Hara being moved to an on-field quarterback coach, which would free Billy Napier up from coaching the quarterbacks and, and let him kind of maybe move around, practice, um, see every group, uh, not tie him to one spot in the field. Um, I could mm. see them hiring another offensive line coach at some point uh, because that seems very important to Billy Napier. He's said multiple times um, without being asked, and every time he's asked, two offensive line coaches, uh, he says, are very important to him and, and the program. You've got 13 guys to be coached. You, why, why would you not split them up? Yeah, doubling, uh, doubling down on that would be nasty work. I mean, what, would, would you be surprised? Nah. I mean, I would like for the uh, – if they go off offensive line again for that guy to come in with some coordinating experience of some sort, but if they double down, it better be like a super home run higher. And I want to ask this question. So I've seen so many people saying that we, we got rid of the the worst of the two offensive line coaches. Like how do, like how do people figure that out? Because one, one, they don't. <laughs> one, they, they don't, but two, assume. they don't figure it out. And two, we didn't, Florida didn't get rid of anyone right right right, right. right now or lost lost got right, rid right, of right. however it may have happened but i was just trying but to like, figure out who's the better out of the two like i don't know how they did that they had tryouts or something yeah yeah stape had a nice 40 uh <laughs> there was what edged out the only thing that we out. know between the two of them is there was about a seven hundred thousand dollar difference in yearly salary other than that we right. don't know who was better who was liked more who was liked less i mean i think that we've heard pros and cons about both. Um, but I don't think that the way that we've heard about anything about Darnell Stapleton is that he was the worst of the two or, or that Rod Stales are worst of the two. I think it's just a matter of perception. I think it's a matter of coaching, but I think that, uh, or individual coaching style. But I think at the end of the day, Florida has, um, or Billy Napier has said multiple times that he wants two offensive line coaches. Mm -hmm. If what we've seen out of the offensive line last year with two coaches doesn't get significantly better three offensive line coaches maybe maybe try four maybe try four but but that, more coaches more better so so hopefully we can they can figure it out but that does leave that open spot um you know florida's obviously still without a strength and conditioning coach with uh craig fitzgerald heading up to boston college so that's unfortunate timing i know that they've got um, and we'll talk a little bit more about it here in a second, but they've, they've got a leader and a program in place right now. But, um, you know, does Ryan O'Hara move uh, up? Do you move one of the analysts into the offensive line coach position until no. you find somebody? What, what do you do? Uh, but I, I would imagine that most coaches aren't chomping at the bit to, uh, to leave their programs right now either. Okay. I offer this. Yeah. Like, so O'Hara has like a role where he's technically not an on the field coach, but he's on the sidelines and he can uh, encourage things and whatnot, right? right? That, but that's it. 
Yeah. That's it. And I, and I like Florida that. Florida is that's definitely cool. not under investigation. They right. do not break NCAA rules. So Ryan O'Hare is certainly not coaching. Well, they, like they are under investigation for and I sure are under investigation. Yeah. For sure. Okay. I hope they don't look into O'Hara, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> since can we get an O'Hara to back up sale? How about that? Like, won't we won't we find that guy? Like, since we got these guys that we can have on the sidelines and encourage, but not you know, instead of two offensive line coaches, like I don't. I mean, there's a the, lot. They already have a lot of a lot of not coach analysts, right? Uh, right. We, at um, every position, so they've got some at, at offensive line. They did lose uh, Blackshear. I know that he took a an on field coach. Job I know at that, Army. Yeah, I know that he was one of the analysts that the Gators have. But mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that the Gators have at least three or four folks that focus solely on the offensive line that are in some sort of analyst type of role. Yeah. I'm just saying like we could get a little bit more flexible with who we hiring on the offensive side, uh, because if we can have this, this off the field guy that kind of coaches the quarterbacks, like said, but not said yeah. type situation, then you can do that with a second offensive line guy instead of having two on the field offensive line guys. Like you got, you got opportunity right now. To, to upgrade that side of the ball with, you know, just find somebody elite across the country that could fit a need. But I don't want to just find some offensive line coach when we could just do the O'Hara thing at offensive line. Looks like Caleb Johnson is your offensive line quality control guy. Uh, he some respect was, on his name. Silly. He was a strength and conditioning assistant and offensive line performance liaison at <laughs> Rutgers. Oh, that was uh, a Rutgers. Played, that was played a Rutgers in the NFL. Game. Played in the NFL for the Bears, Browns, Cardinals, Chiefs, Eagles, Ravens, and Vikings over the course of five years, and is from my favorite town of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I that was a nice plea, Silk, uh, and I look forward to your response when the second offensive line coach is hired at some point in this offseason. Hey man, I'm just I'm just I just call it when it happens, brother, yeah. you know. Uh but at what this point, you? if you roll out and we're going to get into offensive line recruiting, we got a, a big fish uh this weekend, but if you roll out uh, a bad offensive line again this fall, bro, like it's like no more excuses. Your guys are here. You've been here long yeah. enough. Uh you've rotated coaches in that spot at this at this point like it's no excuses for a terrible offensive line. Yeah. So, uh, but that does leave Florida, you know, numerous options. It doesn't seem that they're going to go down the offense coordinator route. Do you promote Ryan O'Hara? That seems to be uh, Florida's kind of MO. If something like this happens last year, they promoted Russ Calloway. Not saying that Russ didn't deserve the job, uh, but they lost Piegler to the NFL, promoted Russ Calloway from a, from an analyst role into uh, to tight end coach. Uh, obviously, they went and got Billy Gonzalez uh, once Kerry Colbert left, a familiar guy to the University of Florida. So we will see. Uh, but let's pause that conversation, gentlemen. We have the voice of the Gators, Sean Kelly, joining us now. Sean, it is a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. Well, good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday to you. A big weekend uh, in Florida Gators basketball. Uh, but Sean, I know this is your first time on the show, so I want to get to know you a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about your story. I know uh, you're appreciative of, of you taking over uh, for Mick Hubert, but talk to us a little bit about your story of, of coming to Gainesville and uh, you know ultimately how you you landed here and uh, with the orange and blue. I, I guess the story is somewhat unexpected. Uh, 
uh, you know, after a long run with the New Orleans Pelicans and Saints, I went to ESPN full time in 2019 and uh, was working there on a variety of sports and was really in negotiations for my next ESPN contract when Mick retired. And this the news came out of the blue, and then the I guess the the uh, the contact for my interest or whatever was certainly unexpected, but. The more I looked at it, the, the more I liked the idea of it. And especially with me staying at ESPN in, in a smaller way, um, the Florida job was even more attractive. So there, there weren't many jobs I would say that I was going <laughs> to leave that situation for, but but Florida would be on that list. And so it's worked out really well. And and here I am, uh, you know, in Gainesville, Florida, where I never expected to be two years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So um uh, I'm a Gator, and and that's where I plan on being the rest of the way. But I think that probably I'm best suited for this job now because of the cumulative experience that I I gained over the years. It wasn't going to be easy following in the footsteps of a guy that you know was the generational voice of this program and had been you know courtside or press box wise for you know championships through the golden years of of the Gators, but. Uh, I'm glad I did it. I really am. I, I have no regrets. It, um, That's awesome. We talked to you. We talked to you right after. Um, you. I don't even know if you had called a game yet, but we talked to you, Zach and I. And you, you mentioned being part of a team, and that's kind of something that that you missed. Um, a year and a half, a couple seasons into it now, do you feel part of that team? Even you know, especially when you then go to Yankee Stadium and you're flying in, you're calling a game on Sunday night for the radio and, and then you're back out, out of you know New York or wherever ESPN takes you. Yeah. You know, it, when I got into this business and this was a long time ago, guys, you know, the, the idea was to be, uh, you know, the voice of a division one program and, and be a part of that program and wear the colors. And that's kind of where my career started. It could, kind of took a hard turn toward the NBA um, 2004 ish thereabouts and and so you know being with the team continued in that sense just in a you know at a different place or a different sport i guess um when i went to espn it was the i had, i dabbled in doing some national stuff while still with new orleans and really liked it you know every game was a big game and it was one of those deals it was a, a time in my life was like if 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 you want to find out if you can do it at a national level now's your chance because otherwise it's going to go going to go away that window's going to close so yes going to yankee stadium or you know calling an nba western conference finals game you know in los angeles or seeing all the great college football venues across the country the nfl all of that you know is is tremendous and there was some uh mental benefit to doing a game and then at the end just clearing out have, have no vested interest in who wins or loses you're just a mercenary you, you fly <laughs> into the war zone just handle a, handle a battle and then you're out yeah enjoy the venue enjoy the moment and um don't have to deal with you know the consequences of a loss or the roller coaster of wins and losses you know over time but i did miss it i really did and and i guess i i didn't realize it but i missed being around this age group too a little bit so now I get the best of both worlds, right? So I get to still go do some of those ESPN things, but I'm back being with the team again, even though it wasn't very long that I was away from a, a particular team. But, you know, it's interesting. I came in at the same time as Billy Napier and Todd Golden both, and I was very curious to see how those programs would be built from the ground up because they, they both needed a ground-up rebuild 
basically. So I love process and I wanted to be around that. And both of those gentlemen and their staffs and, and, and the players and everything else have been most welcoming. I mean, I have unfettered access to all their practices. I travel with them. I basically live with them for the most part during a season. And so I get to share in their journey and, and, and their development. And, and that's, that's as much fun as doing the games themselves. So I'm glad I have that again. And, uh, you know, baseball is a little bit of a different animal because I'm in and out with them this time of year, but it won't be long. I mean, you know, in about a month or two, I'll be with them on a daily basis too. So um, all those things, you know, make this the coolest job ever. Well, listen, Todd's won seven of eight. You you might be going to the final four somewhere and, and uh, we'll, we'll push you out of the baseball press box uh, as long as we can. If that means basketball is continuing to win. Well, it's interesting. When I made my ba- my baseball schedule a little while back, I sit down with Steve McLean and we kind of try and map this thing out, right? And sure enough, there's a baseball series at LSU. So I wanted to, I certainly wanted to work the rematch of last year's national championship series. My grown children live over that direction. Um, and I and I lived an hour away from Baton Rouge before I came here to Gainesville. So that was a series that I was very interested in in working. Well, lo and behold, that series falls the first weekend of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. So when we made the schedule, and I, I think I've believed this now for some time, that Florida basketball is the tournament team this year. So it's bittersweet. I, I, I wanted to work that series baseball-wise, but I'm excited because I think that I'll be busy with men's basketball during that same weekend. If you want to get a good laugh, tell God your plans. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sean, I, w- I want to ask uh, just you being able to prepare for, for football, baseball, basketball, and then you also have some other ESPN assignments. How, how does your, your brain kind of function to, to fluctuate between, because obviously there's different paces for all of them. There's, lot more dead time maybe during football and, and baseball to fill in, although baseball seems to be getting a little quicker. But touch me a little bit about kind of mental preparation of being able to balance between, you know, kind of a fast paced basketball game to, you know, maybe a slower paced, you know, football game or, or baseball game where you do have to fill that that dead time. Once I get into the game itself, it kind of takes care of itself. You know, mm. I, I was blessed to be able to dabble in all three kind of coming up younger in my career. And then when I went to the NBA full-time, there really wasn't a chance to do a whole lot of other sports because the way that calendar works. So when I, one of the reasons why I went to ESPN full-time was to start doing multiple sports again because I missed that. I loved, you know, even growing up, everybody asked me, you know, what's your favorite sport? You know, and growing up in St. Louis and the Midwest and all that, baseball was probably the, the favorite. The Cardinals, I played more baseball than anything else. But I was one of those kids that when it was football season, that was my favorite sport. And then when it was wintertime, it was basketball and hockey. And then, you know, the, the, I love the change of seasons and cycling through that. So I guess my brain kind of works that way as well. The prep is a little tricky, and I've gotten better at it over the years of, of being more in the moment. Um, you know, that old phrase, how do, you, how do you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. So, um Sometimes it makes for tight prep windows, but I'm not the kind of guy that like can sit down. Like I'm looking at like the weekend of March 2nd and 3rd. That's a good example. So I've got men's basketball at South Carolina on Saturday and I've got Sixers at Mavericks on Sunday afternoon. Um, And those two games are less than 24 hours apart. So 
I will do my best to try and just lay down a little bit of prep for that NBA game. But then I have to, this is just the way my brain works. I have to focus on what's right in front of me. So I've got to take care of and be pretty dialed in on Florida versus South Carolina that weekend first. And then as soon as that game is done, it's immediately flush it and then turn all my attention toward Sixers and Mavs. It was, it was the same when I was at ESPN radio, you know, non, well, even during COVID there was a lot of weekends I'd have a, a big college football game on Saturday and then an NFL game on Sunday. Some guys can bounce back and forth between that prep. I, I would have to kind of get the foundation laid early in the week and then focus in on one and then I could do the other. I'm just, I'm not that talented. So, um, one at a time, basically. Yeah, no, like I, Kevin Durant throws a pass to Russell Westbrook, <laughs> and that's a. Oh wait, hold on. That's a, yeah. a two pointer. Yeah, no, I always uh, I give credit to people like you. I know Kirk Herbstreit's been doing the Amazon Thursday night game, and then he's doing game day, and then he's doing the usually the nightly game or the afternoon game for for ESPN there. So I know that there's probably a lot of juggling around there. But uh, but Sean, when I was um, when I was looking this up, I know that Mick Huber was obviously at UF for the better part of thirty plus years now. Um, and then when you took over, but the Gators have only ever had four voices of the Gators since I believe the 1940s. So kind of the Pittsburgh Steelers of, uh, of team announcing uh, here. But what was it like to uh, to replace Mick Hubert and do you and him? I mean, obviously, you probably chatted, but do you do you and him still communicate or or catch up or, or how did that transition go for you? Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it went well for me because, again, kind of what I said earlier about maybe my age or, or things yeah. that I've done career i don't know if i could have done this maybe even 10 years ago um just you know one of those deals that's i i knew that i wasn't going to be no one's ever going to be mick hubert right so there was no like i'm going to replace him or mm -hmm. um i'm going to be regarded in the same way as mick it was basically being secure with my own style sure. and, um, and that kind of a thing. And, and Mick and I will talk every so often. Actually, we just talked a couple of weeks ago uh, for a good 40 minutes or whatever. But it seems that we, we time it out right that we have plenty to talk about when we do catch up. And I didn't know Mick Hubert before I, I got the job. I knew of him. I knew his work. But I didn't know him personally. And it's an interesting choice that he made, that basically there was no rocking chair tour uh, he doesn't even live in Gainesville anymore. So right. there was no kind of like, you know, voice of the Gators emeritus. It was a clean, <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I'll follow when I want, otherwise I'm playing golf and, and working at the church and, and spending time with my wife. And that's exactly what Mick has done. And I, I think he's very happy in that sense. And for me, maybe in some small way that's helped a little bit, you know, but, I always want to acknowledge, like, you know, his 70th birthday was this past Friday. So I wanted to make sure on Saturday that we acknowledge that on the air. There's no denying, you know, who he is and, and his tenure. And, and you're right. I'm, I'm one of four with three of us living. It's interesting. There's a local commercial spot now running that has all three of our voices on it. Oh, wow. And that's going to be truly unique. You know, so Quality Plumbing in Gainesville is celebrating their 40th anniversary. So we found a way to, like, so what, you know, what, what's transpired in that 40 years? And one is, you know, David Steele, then Mick, Mick Hubert, and, and now me. So that was a very interesting project to have the three of us collaborate on that. But, you know, kind of back to what I was saying is it, I knew what my style would be. I'm now kind of set in my ways in that sense. And it was great because I was nervous before the very first football game I did here for the Gators. I'd done other Florida games, but 
you know, being the voice of the Gators, it felt good to be nervous again. Like, don't you want to have kind of that, that chill a little bit, not scared, but just nervous. I think it's a healthy thing. And so that felt right and felt good. And, and, and here we are. And so I'm sure there are some that, you know, will say, well, you know, you're no Mick Hubert. You're right. I don't want to be Mick Hubert. Um, But I think that most of the fans and certainly the people I work with have been very, very gracious and very supportive. And, and I've, I've felt welcomed and, you know, um, that big moment will come at some point where, you know, may, maybe, uh, you know, Gator fans would love it, but I would get a chance to call some of the big moments like, like Mick did. Yeah. Did, um, young Sean Kelly want to grow up and be a play-by-play caller? Like what was your childhood dreams? Yeah. You know, there's a comes an age for all of us, right. That you figure out that, um, guess what? You're not going to be in the major leagues. Um, <laughs> you're not going to play pro basketball. So yeah. I, I love sports so much that I wanted to find a way to, to stay in it. Um, and in high school, you know, I grew up in a house where the game was always on, you know, whether it was actively being listened to or it was just kind of background noise. And when you grow up in St. Louis, you're around these voices, right? Jack Buck and Mike Shannon. Um, Dan Kelly was the voice of blues hockey. Uh, Bill Wilkerson was the legendary voice. He did um, Missouri football and some big red football. So, the one thing that really stood out was they were not only ambassadors of the team, but they were ambassadors of the city too. And then when I kind of locked in on that in high school and then off into college, then you start to see what these division one announcers are like for their schools and their towns. And it's very similar, just on a smaller scale. And that, that, that intrigued me as much as anything else. And then, you know, you're going to pay me to, go to all the games and travel with the team and and, then I was in, so I was hooked. So thankfully I found a way to, to work my way into some pretty good spots. What was your first game? You do a pop Warner game, a high school game. Like were you nervous? What was that like? What are the minor leagues for an up and comer? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. It's funny that you say minor leagues and whatnot, because I'm sure it, it chaps some people's butts that I've done major league baseball, but I didn't come up through minor league baseball and we're seeing Mm. more of that today. Um, the, all the, the paths or the ways that I came up through don't seem to matter anymore. And so a lot of times when young people come to me and say, Hey, you know, what should I do next? Or, you know, what was your path and how do I follow that? I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help you because (laughs) those, those things are gone. I mean, it used to be the old Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation, right? That's how Mm -hmm. you work this thing. That's how you get your next, your next gig, all those things. The first thing I did though was was Southern Illinois University women's basketball. That was my mm. first play by play job. Go Salukis. Uh, go Salukis. And so, you know, you ride the bus. I learned real quick how you should conduct yourself around mm-hmm. a team, how you should travel, all those things. And then you just you you just never say no, right? Then the next thing you know, it's hey, let's do some high school football or high school basketball or you know, host pregame, halftime, postgame for the big network and you just start kind of just stacking these chips on top of each other. And that's, that's kind of how it progresses. But that first, that first play by play, there's a tape somewhere and I hope it never surfaces. <laughs> We're on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I hope it never surfaces. Uh, yeah. Some would say that I'm so old that it's probably on some reel to reel somewhere. But I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm sure it wasn't very good, um, but I just, I kept at it. So Lucky for you, Sean. I don't think we have the machine that plays that kind of tape anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, there's a like uh, you know, if you're old enough, you know what a cart machine is too. That's another old radio thing too. So, um, it is interesting that you mentioned that because I get asked a lot, "Hey, how'd you get into your job?" And when I was in journalism school, it was you know you're a fly on the wall, you do this. And at the time I was in college, Bill Simmons was just becoming popular, and he was an unabashed uh, Celtics fan. And it's like, hey, he's a national writer who is openly cheering for the Celtics. And this is like, what is this? And now there's so many different ways before it was like, you go to college, you write for the paper and then you hopefully get to cover traffic or hopefully get to cover high school somewhere and you pay your dues. And now there's just so many different avenues. Um, Ethan Ivey is at uh, the game on Friday and they have a student radio network and, and that's a way to do it. Or you can just start a YouTube channel. So there's so many different ways uh, kind of get into our business now that you don't have to go these traditional routes, you know, that I uh, shoot, I didn't even do a traditional. I've never worked for, for a paper. I've always worked yeah. for uh, online internet essay blogs. Right. Hmm. Right. You Must know, have been a good guy that got you that good job, Nick. Shout out to Dan for getting me my first job. No, <laughs> in, in that sense, the digital world uh, has made this a, a more welcoming place. And I think it's actually helped to diversify our business in a better way because you know when i was coming up kind of like you were talking about with regard to a traditional media outlet your opportunity to call a game was based solely on would some local radio station whatever give you the chance to do it let alone the equipment to do it you know the, the old stories about bob costas and you know and i probably did it too you you'd get the little tape recorder and you'd go up in the stands you kind of call the game from the stands that was really the only organic way to do this and so now with regard to streaming and podcasting and, and and online platforms with regard to just even writing as you guys mentioned there's so many more ways for you to get a tape and tapes the antiquated word right what do you mm -hmm. call it you, i mean a file yeah <laughs> well, it's, it's like it's like when we talk about like football highlights you're like oh we're watching the film you're like hey man nothing is on film yeah right <laughs> film, there's no tape you know it's a, you know here's my here's my link that's how I mean, yeah you know that's that's kind of what this is now like it's interesting frankly guys i hope that i've made my last demo real <laughs> ever you know god willing i i don't do that ever again but even just kind of that having that last one, my agent, thank God, had, you know, had my 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 demo reel or link for them to listen to here at Florida. So, um, yeah, the uh, the days of trying to put those things together or clip file or whatever is mm -hmm. different than what I came up with. It's crazy, crazy times. Well, Sean, I know that you're you're busy. I know that you've got a, a busy week ahead of you. We appreciate your your time coming on uh, today. Uh, I know that the uh, the Gator faithful is excited to listen to this interview uh, as well, and it's been uh, fun watching you uh, continue to grow and uh, and, um, and be the voice of the Gators. So, um, thank you so much for your time today, and we will uh, hopefully chat with you soon. And uh, best of luck on what I would imagine is quite a busy uh, next couple of months for you. Yeah, yeah. I call this the crazy eight. Okay, so yeah. last past week is the start of the busiest eight weeks of the Gators athletic calendar. Mm -hmm. When you look at how that. So we're one week into the crazy eight. And then when the crazy eight is done, that's when I start NBA playoff stuff too. So glad wow. you got me now. Cause it's probably. <laughs> well, 
We'll send you a couple Starbucks gift cards in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I appreciate a big one for Florida on Tuesday. We'll see how this goes against Alabama. We're gonna learn Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely. Ho- hopefully, you get your big, your big, uh, your big Gator moment this tournament with the basketball team. Maybe so. Maybe I thought so. you meant uh, baseball's second game of the year at UNF. Thought that was what the big one is. Uh, I'll yeah. be driving up there because their uh, <laughs> TV situation at UNF is not great. So I'll be driving up to Jacksonville for that one. But enjoy that. Hopefully it won't be raining because that was a real bummer this past weekend. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope to see you back at Condren, Sean, but not anytime soon. I hope basketball uh, keeps you away from baseball for a little bit. I'll see you Friday night. Friday oh, night. Never mind. Friday night. Friday night. Well, Sean, thank you so much. And, and we will talk with you soon, my friend. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good one, man. Sean Kelly, voice of the Gators. Appreciate him coming on the program today. Um, We got to think of, because this happened, we had uh, Jeff Cardozo on uh, another podcast. For the people who aren't watching, like we are, we're like picking voices that are way better than ours for an audio only platform. Uh, So thank you, Sean, for coming on, but like, don't bring in your replacement, guys. Yeah, phenomenal voice. Glad he's the new voice of the Gators. Have not ever been complimented on my voice. People say I have a voice for uh, for miming. That's what people say about my voice. You have so, a voice for print, a face for podcast, voice, voice and for a voice print. for print. Face for podcast, voice for print, and uh, and opinions that don't need to be heard. So uh, with that being said, I know we have Neil Blackman that's going to be joining the show. So we will pause uh, for a little bit on talking about basketball, Uh, but the Gators did grab a commitment over the weekend. Uh, I believe if memory serves me correct and basic research, uh, this is the highest ranked offensive lineman that the Gators have gotten uh, in about a decade or so. So the Gators grabbed Peyton Joseph, six foot four, 305 pounds, interior offensive lineman from Houston County, or maybe it's Houston County. I think I mispronounced that last time. Uh, from Warner, oh, pardon me, Houston County High School uh, from Warner Robins, Georgia. Uh, four stars ranked as the 106th overall player uh, in the country. Gators grabbed him over the likes of Florida State. Georgia Tech, LSU, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, and a number of other schools. So, gentlemen, your thoughts on Peyton Joseph's commitment to the Florida Gators? Rob Sale said, you know, hold my beer, bro. Y'all said I'm the worst of the two. Uh, Not very good get. (laughs) Uh, Interior lineman. We need – we, we need guys to be able to protect our quarterbacks. We're doing a good job of getting top-tier guys to come in. And, and he looks like a recruiter himself. He, he's reaching out to Antoine Hill, um, the quarterback who I have as QB, QB1 this cycle on, on the Twitter. And Antoine Hill reached back out to him. So it seems there's a lot of chemistry between these guys, but an incredible get early on in the cycle. Um, I like what we have in the fold so far. It's all about, at this point, we've seen us get off to a good offseason last year with recruiting, and we lost some. After a bad season and 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 how the season played out, so um, I think we're going to recruit well this off season. You mm-hmm. know, it's good to see our offensive line, our recruiting, do step it up early. But I think we're going to recruit well. It's going to all be about be about us winning games to keep this this class in the fold. So very good get. Yeah, no, I know uh, Cornelius Cromartie said, man, it's too early to be hyped about twenty five kids. I I get it, right? And and we know we've talked a lot about it on the show. 
that there's a lot that can happen between now and December, uh, but we want to give these kids uh, their light now. Um, Florida obviously had a run of decommitments there at the end, but for the most part, most of these guys did stay in the class. Uh, offensive linemen, while they can be, so, there can be some drama with some of them. For the most part, it does seem like a lot of them uh, usually lock in, lock in pretty early. Uh, they're looking for opportunity, looking for opportunity for development. So we will see. Obviously, there's a lot that can happen between now and December or February when he signs next year. Uh, but definitely want to give uh, credence to uh, to his commitment now. So um, Peyton Joseph. A uh, good get for the Gators. Uh, like I said, highest ranked offensive line commit in about a decade or so. So uh, kind of crazy it. to think about that it's been that long since the Gators right. grabbed somebody right around the hundreds. Uh, but again, a, a huge pickup for the Gators. Big uh, big pickup for uh, Billy Napier, Rob Sale, and this offense. So uh, a guy that I think can grow and develop uh, plays uh, some elite football uh, there in Georgia plays at the uh, the highest caliber of football in Georgia. So being able to go into the backyard of Georgia, Georgia Tech, a few other schools uh, to be able to grab him is definitely a, a big plus for the Gators. So the Gators start off their recruiting class uh, in a good spot uh, for 2025. Let me just pull up that list. I know that they uh, obviously, if you have him uh, in that mix and in the fold there, uh, Jalen Wiggins, a guy that committed to the Gators about a month ago uh, from uh, Rickards High School there in Tallahassee. He's the number 56 overall player in the country as a defensive lineman. Waltez Clark, the running back, uh, ranked 209th. And then Joseph Abdullah, the wide receiver uh, who committed uh, back in January as well. Uh, so a good start with you know those four. Uh, and then just continue to to, to add more and, and add talent and and then do your best to to have a great season and you know keep these guys in the fold because that's how you're going to be able to build uh, to a program that is um, you know sustainable for the uh, for the future. That family look good. I ain't gonna lie. Get, yeah, get, yeah. Gets to the second level. Well, athletic kid, big, strong, mauler. Yeah, that's how you want to drop an interior offensive lineman, man. Shout out to Sell. We'll see if we can hold on to him. It's gonna come down to winning games. I do. You, you did make a good point. Offensive linemen are, tend to stick; they yeah. don't tend to flip and play the games. Uh, quarterback is similar. Your skill positions usually the guys that you know with the shenanigans mm. and the pass rushers and whatnot. But offensive linemen tend to stick. All right, perfect. Um, Nick, any update? Uh, I know the Gators are still without a head strength and conditioning um, head right now, uh, but uh, what's the uh, the path that Florida is taking as they enter uh, a very integral time of the offseason? Yeah, Tyler Miles, um, who came in right before the 2022, uh, not right before the season, but came in and, and was here in the offseason before the 23 uh, schedule. Um He's working, uh, leading the group, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if if he ends up being getting the the, the job. Um, okay. Billy will. I mean, he just did a search for uh, strength coaches, so that that list of guys that have already been vetted uh, is right there, probably still on his desk. But there's a lot of support in the locker room um, <clears throat> for Tyler Miles, the the team, the guys really like him. Um, he spent time kind of all over the place. I think he was at Duke before coming. To yeah, Florida. let me run. 
let me run yeah. through uh, that just because that's a name that we've not really talked about. So uh, he's currently Florida director of player athletic development. Like you said, uh, Nick, in the 2022 season, he was at Duke where he was the assistant director of sports performance. Prior to Duke, he was the assistant strength and conditioning coach at the University of Miami. Uh, prior to that, he was at Boost Performance in Nashville, which does combine training uh, in NFL and college offseason workouts. So he was there uh, for two years. Uh, he also worked at Tennessee State as their head strength coach uh, for football and volleyball. Uh, he was an intern uh, at the University of Tennessee, University of South Carolina, uh, Northwestern State, which I believe is in Arkansas. Uh, and then he was with the Salt Lake City Stallions uh, in 2019 and 2018. So Definitely a young guy, looks to be maybe in his late 20s, early 30s, uh, but certainly has risen the ranks pretty quickly. Uh, and I would imagine that him working closely with Craig Fitzgerald for the five weeks that he was there, uh, as well as Mark Hockey before that, has a good plan in place for uh, what these next few weeks look like. Northwestern State is in Nachitosis, Louisiana. Ah, one state what? off. What? He was at Northwestern State for a little while. Dan said Arkansas, so I Googled it to yeah, fact so check it. Missed that one. the only reason I'm here. That's on me. Dan. I'll get it fixed. And I probably uh, said Nachitosis. Another fact, Nick, another fact check uh, error by uh, Dan the Man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Tyler Miles taking over. Uh, spring practice starts in two and a half weeks. March 7th. Okay. So yeah, right around two and a half weeks or so. So uh, Tyler Miles will have that role. I would imagine, like you said, Nick, we will not see uh, a replacement hired before uh, the end of spring practice. It just doesn't make a ton of sense right now. Yeah. A lot of things not making sense right now. Yeah. 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 But uh, we got <laughs> criticized a little bit last week, especially me saying I was a little too negative. So trying to scale it back and bring the positive hopium that, that uh, this fan base wants. Right no now. one can be as positive as me, Dan, but you should you should strive. <laughs> you should strive to reach my levels of positivity. It's like one of those, you know, shoot for the moon. You'll land, land among, among the stars. stars. I like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The dark, dark side <laughs> Dan came out. Uh, last week, so um, n- nothing's changed. Uh, just, just how I'll uh deliver that to you guys. Uh, Nick, while we wait for Neil, um, let's talk a little bit baseball before we do that. Let's give a quick yeah. shout out to our friends at Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, promo code Stadium and Gale at checkout will give you 15% off of your order. Again, go check it out. Uh, incredible products for the University of Florida, as well as uh, Trevor Sikma was wearing one when he went to the uh, the combine. Uh, they have one of those cool starter jacket looking uh, jackets that they released last year. Really cool products over there. Again, not just University of Florida, about 100 different colleges and universities all over the country. So any family, uh, friend or uh, loved one, uh, as well as the Indianapolis Colts. So Harrison can buy a few things from home field apparel. So uh, again, homefieldapparel.com stadium and Gale at checkout. All one word uh, will get you 15% off of your first order. Nick, uh, the Gators plan to play three games against St. Joseph's university this Saint weekend, St. John's university, sorry. Uh, St. John's university Good loses go, the first game and then Saturday and Sunday, both get canceled due to rain. I did notice that Golf held an entire tournament on Saturday. 
uh, and they were still able to play. But Nick, give us the background of what happened with with baseball on Friday and then uh, ultimately the scheduling snafus uh, that led to two canceled games. Um, well, we'll do scheduling first. So Saturday, the rain, I mean, it rains all day Saturday from around 2 p.m. And not torrential, but just constant rain from 2 p.m. Um, really until like 8 p.m. last night, Sunday. Um, so just an entire washout for the weekend. <clears throat> I was surprised. Um, I enjoyed it, but surprised. Typically, baseball will will wait and wait and wait until uh, the last minute to cancel a game. Um, I was at uh, a coffee spot. No free, no free spots, no free ads. Uh, so I was at a random coffee spot. Um, when I got a text message saying like, Hey, we're, we're, we're banging the game today. Game's off. And I was like, Oh man, that's early. Normally I'd be sitting at the park for four hours, uh, with the tarp on the field before they decided to, uh, to cancel the game. They had already moved the game from 4 PM to noon to 10 AM. Um, so they were trying to get it in, but it, it was unlikely that they were going to be able to get in a game on Sunday. So I think they were really trying Saturday. Um, and, and then obviously getting washed out to your first three is not great. I'll be interested to see what they do. I think Jack Caglione needed um, a little bit of a rest um, yeah, with his arm dealing with some tendonitis. Uh, but Liam Peterson, the freshman, I, I will be interested to see if he throws two, three innings on Tuesday uh, before his Saturday start because uh, he hasn't thrown in a game. Uh, if you get to this weekend against Columbia, it'll be over two weeks that he's thrown in a game. Um, so I'll be interested to see how you handle those things. Um, I, I mean, the big, like you're going to, no one's going to go undefeated in, in the college baseball season. Um, the, I don't like that energy. No, it's never <laughs> happened. Negative Nick is back. Negative damn, Nick. <laughs> damn it. I'm back. Um, I think the biggest thing with baseball is like when you lose a game, you're like, oh, there's always tomorrow. And then you now you're sitting with an upset loss to St. John's. Uh, you're sitting with that for five days before you get a chance to go back out, which is a long time for baseball. Yeah. Um, and then that Friday game, like you just didn't have it. Uh, Kate Fisher goes out there, did not have his stuff. Um, struggled to find the, the zone. And then when he was in the zone, uh, they were kind of jumping on fastballs. Um, he really needs to develop that third pitch. He's fastball slider changeup. Really needs to develop that changeup, and he's worked all off season on doing it. Um, but it's it's it will be tough to be a Friday night guy or a weekend guy when you start the SEC season if you don't have that third pitch. If you're just fastball slider, um, yeah, guys at this level will jump on it, especially if you're throwing 91 to 94. He needs to be able to throw all three pitches to both sides of the plate and into any counts. So that's something he's working on. Uh, he spoke to us after the game, which I thought was impressive. There's sometimes these baseball kids come through and you only talk to them when they win games. So it was nice to see him stand there and, and talk about, talk us through uh, what he was feeling and what went wrong, but Florida's down quick seven, nothing. And now you have to start pressing offensively. So I think mm. they had some good at bats. Um, I wasn't nervous down 7-0, though, because the last year I was like, man, that ain't nothing. we go get that. Yeah, I mean, this team's going to be able to hit home runs. Uh, Colby right. Shelton hit one 400 feet, uh, said some words to the pitcher, which uh, when I was able That's to cool. watch it back, was able to uh, lip read. Uh, say? I won't, uh, won't repeat them. Say it, bro. This is a 
rated our show. We're gonna get demonized. Don't know. <laughs> don't know if where where's St. John's in Queens, right? Queens. Probably not the school to want to square up to in a verbal altercation, but you know. Just well, it's interesting. So, like, you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you never know. So, I don't know. They're, they're not from the Bronx, Dan. I, I think kids playing baseball in New York are probably not from the Bronx. These boys think I ain't watching baseball. That's crazy, man. See, they don't, they don't, they don't believe in me in the, in the comments, man. Yeah, no Cornelius uh, Cromartie says, Unc Cap'n, he ain't watching no baseball. <laughs> Probably not watching the game live, but definitely <laughs> seeing the score on the timeline. And then Harrison Sanchez uh, hit us with a, uh, what does the word rhyme with, Nick? Nick can't rap. Uh, puck, so. you, puck. wussy, oh. would be a good oh, rhyme. okay, 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 okay. Yeah, that's a good what hockey. Colby Shelton That's what said, they say in yeah. hockey to each other. Puck, you, wussy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it uh, a nice point at the pitcher, puck you, wussy, uh, and immediately the umpire runs after him. That's a warning. That's yeah. a warning. Uh, you're gonna get, you're gonna get these smaller schools like uh, St. John's came down, got up early, and then they were talking like, and good, yeah. you should. You, you, yeah, the Hard Rock Bets didn't even have a line for the game, uh, which Good would be. Up. Which would make sense. Like Miami was a thirteen hundred betting favorite uh, on Friday, and they needed to walk off on Friday. It's baseball. You're going to get small teams that that beat uh, you know the number one, two, three, four, five teams in the country. So Florida's well, back at any it. Any given Tuesday afternoon, any given Wednesday, <laughs> yep. you know, every given Thursday. Speaking Friday. of, yeah, yeah, Florida will have UNF mm -hmm. twice this week uh, at Jacksonville. I'll be up there for that. Uh, Bless your heart. Don't, don't do it, Dan. Don't do it, bro. <laughs> It just it's set up Wes's heart. Nick, we have Neil Blackman waiting for us. So we, the Gators going to win this week. Who do we, who do they have this weekend? UNF on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the boys from Columbia, not South, uh, North Columbia. Uh, oh, also down. New York. Yep. Yeah, well, it's uh, 30 degrees in New York right now. Not really baseball weather. They're trying to get out of that and uh, come down to the Sunshine State. I love it. Typical love snowbirds it. up in New York. So uh, the Ivy League coming down to the Harvard of the South when Columbia joins. Well, we've got Neil Blackman from Saturday Down South, Florida Basketball Hour as well, joining the program. Neil, Neil. what it do, baby? It's good to have <laughs> you good, back, guys. brother. I think the What's first up, time man? on video, I think the last time was just uh, when we were just an audio media. Yeah, you know, you guys, you guys moved up in the world real fast. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're somewhere. Shout out to our sponsors for uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out, yeah. shout out to Lucy Home. Had nothing to do with Had nothing to do with you guys being being awesome. No, not at oh, all. Oh man, all your sponsors. Yeah, just, yeah. We'll buy stuff from our sponsors so we can keep leveling. We just up. hit a pump. Um, just hit a pump, sunshine, baby. <laughs> not last week, man. I didn't. I got a lot of anyway. So, uh, Neil, you are one of the uh, the foremost experts on Florida Gators basketball. Let's talk a little bit about them right now. Eighteen and seven, eight and four in the conference. Portal God Todd is now four and zero against Mike White. Um, but talk to us a little bit about the Gators. Seven of the last eight, a couple of big wins in there: Kentucky, Auburn. Uh, but uh, talk to us a little bit about the Gators basketball program. Yeah, man, they're good. Um... You know, the short short version is this is a good team. Um, it's a good team, and they've got the best guards in the SEC. Um, and I think that's – they don't have the best guard in the SEC. Alabama does, the team they'll play this week. 
but they have the best group of guards. Um, and, you know, elite guard play as the season goes on, elite guard play wins college basketball games. And so, you know, what you're seeing is, is that, uh, but you're also seeing Florida has enough in the front court, right? It's not, if something happens to Colin Castleton, he gets in foul trouble, he gets injured, you know, they're, they're in deep trouble. It's not, uh, the late year Mike White teams where there was one big man and really, you know, some guy that they took a flyer on coming off the bench to provide no help, um, really. Uh, so I think you have a deep front court and, you know, obviously Tyree Samuel is a big time player. He's played in the Big East, uh, which is a great league for multiple years, and he's been real good. Uh, but they're getting contributions now from the younger guys in the front court, whether it's Micah Hanlockton, who came over from the Sun Belt, and and he came from Marshall. So at Marshall, they play real fast, and he was kind of just a rim runner. Um, and they don't play much defense at Marshall. It's uh, Mike D'Antoni's brother coaches there. They they just want to get up and down. And I think adjusting to playing defense and physicality is huge for. It's just like football. I mean, if you go to the SEC and you're a high-level transfer uh, from a, a smaller league, there's an adjustment period usually unless you're just a freak like Osiris Torrance, right? So football, translated basketball, I think Micah Hanlocked and learning how physical he has to be to contribute. And then uh, this staff, I mean, that look, the evaluations that they made on these two young bigs, Thomas Hawk and uh, Alex Condon, um, I mean, the list of people who offered them is it's interesting. I sent out a tweet the other day where, you know, I kind of put up the list that Tommy Hawk had uh, and his best offer was Northwestern other than Florida, but Florida mm -hmm. trusted their evaluations, right? They put in the work and said, here's what we see. Um, and some of that is Torian green, which is what um, Todd told me on Saturday after Florida one was, you know, Hey, we got this guy, we brought in Torian to, to run our player development program and to help with evaluations. And Tommy Houck, coach's kid, uh, played at a good program. And they were just, you know, Torian Green said, oh, you know, coach's kids have worked out pretty well here in Florida. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, they, I, I like the way this guy plays. And it's worked, man. I mean, Tommy's playing his best ball. And then Condon goes to this NBA academy in Australia and uh, – you know, a lot mid-major programs that are good, like St. Mary's and Gonzaga have been mm -hmm. raiding that place for years. You know, Gonzaga raided it so much, they're not really considered a mid-major anymore. And Florida said, uh, we're going to go get this guy that has offers from St. Mary's, Gonzaga, and Utah. And nobody else offered him in the entire country. We're going to offer him and see what happens. And he is so far ahead from an offensive standpoint than any freshman big that's been at Florida and, you know, probably – 10 years and Pat Young was joking. Pat Young. That, yeah. yeah. Pat Young was joking that he, if I had his offensive skill set as a freshman, I wouldn't have played four years in Florida. So, so you said it's Hawk. So Tommy Hawk is the forward that, that yeah. is from Pennsylvania. And then Alex Conan is the other young freshman. So the point is Florida has elite guards. I think they have the best point guard in the sec in Zion Poland. Mm -hmm. And then they have a front court that's getting better and better. So what they have is a chance to get better as the season goes on, even from where they are now, which is a team that's, you know, they lost one game by one point. And that's mm -hmm. their only loss in the last month plus. 
That's crazy. Yeah, Tommy Hawk uh, goes off for 17 points, obviously a season high uh, for him. I guess a career high, too, for playing that game. Uh, but uh, zero points against Kentucky, three points against Texas A&M, two points against Auburn, two points against LSU, and then goes off for 17 points, seven rebounds, a block shot, a steal. Uh, just a, a great game uh, for him. Uh, Gators, obviously, tough matchup ahead at home uh, at Alabama. Pardon me this uh, this Tuesday. Uh, Alabama, I believe, has won every game, but maybe one at home over the last two seasons, or or maybe have lost two. Uh, but uh, what can the Gators expect uh, going against Alabama uh, tomorrow? Yeah, great question. Look, I, I think Florida will play pretty free and loose, given the the streak that they've been on. Um, they didn't lose the game at Georgia. Obviously, they they had to come from behind win. I think that was huge. You know, Golden said it pretty well he said if we're going up to Alabama coming off really what would have been our first bad loss of the year uh maybe we're tighter maybe we're desperate we're afraid to make a mistake I, I want to go up there and not be that um and you know their one loss was to a team Alabama's one loss at home was to a team sort of similar to Florida in that they have a dominant player PJ Hall their big man uh and a really good offensive team that doesn't play great defense. And that's kind of how I would characterize Florida, a team that, that is very good offensively, um, but not great defensively. And that's how I'd characterize Alabama, right? Like Alabama doesn't guard anyone. Um, it, it's not last year's Alabama where they had Brandon Miller and Charles Bediaco, and they could just rough you up inside and really guard you. And they were physical and that's how they got the number one overall seed. This team yeah. is a lot different. I mean, it's sort of a mid-major all-star team. Uh, Mark Sears, I think, is the best player in the SEC. He's he's a, a guard that they use a ton. Um, he's got a chance to be the first guard in the SEC since Scotty Wilbekin to have an offensive rating over 120 with a usage rate of 30. So that means that 30% of Alabama's possessions end with Sears taking a shot, committing a turnover, or drawing a foul. Like, mm, they are not – like it's, it's uh what, what's Silk say? It's like Novocaine, right? It's uh you know, what's coming and it's still, it's going to work anyway. Um, they aren't, they aren't out there to confuse you. Shout out to coach um, Herman Boone. Uh, yeah. We've yeah, got three plays. Boone. Give them time. They work like Novocaine. Yeah. That's how Alabama's philosophy. I mean, they, they're going to shoot the three and they are going to drive you and attack the basket. They don't take mid range jumpers. Um, you know, they take what, what uh, my guy Eric Foster would call, you know, either high quality, high percentage shots or, or at the rim, or they take high reward shots outside the arc and Florida, like Florida is going to give up 80, 85 points. It, is Florida going to be able to score with them? Probably. Uh, but I, I would expect it to be a pretty competitive basketball game. It's interesting. Like to me, having done Florida basketball hour for this, our sixth season of that, and, you know, Fawcett and I were talking about it. And this is the first time in late February where there's a path to the SEC championship. And if Florida wins this week, then that path is actually a lot more wide open than, than people realize. Yeah, I think I think I was reading that Florida is a Tennessee loss away from being able to control their own destiny 
Uh, and I know that, the tennis right. schedule is not super, super easy uh, from here on out. Uh, Neil, before I forget, wanted to ask, I know that there was certainly a lot of excitement uh, about Riley Kugel coming back this year. I know towards the end of last season, he you know, was really lighting the, the basketball world on fire. And I know a lot of people thought that he, you know, could potentially go to the NBA last season uh, and was definitely a, a player to watch this season. It seems to me like we've gotten a lot of hot and cold from Riley Kugel this season, averaging 10 and a half points, uh, 3.8 rebounds um, this season. But what's, what's kind of been going on with, with Riley Kugel? Is it, yeah, I mean, mental, is it the way that yeah, he's playing? It's a great question. I think early in the year, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, they're not really running stuff for Riley. And that was nothing could be farther from the truth. Um, they were trying to get Riley around screens, trying to get him to attack the basket. They were trying to run plays where he could come off a screen and catch and shoot. And Riley was catching the ball and playing tentative. He was rejecting screens, which if you're 6'5 and built like a SEC linebacker, you should not be rejecting screen set to get you downhill. Um, so he's been tentative. Um, he, he does not finish well at the rim. I'm not breaking any news on stadium and Yale. You guys know what you see with your eyes. You don't have to coach basketball or follow it like I do to, to know that. Um, and so that finishing problem has continued, but I think the early shooting slump kind of affected his confidence. Uh, he's, he's been shooting better lately, although, um, the last two games, it's kind of been iffy again. The one thing he's done that I did want to, you know, I have been pointing out is, and I will say, and I think y'all know this, you know, because you guys cover a lot of different sports and, and football players in particular, like he's finding ways to impact winning. He is Florida's best defender uh, and has been all year, um, especially on the ball. And, you know, so all of that is great. Like this body language stuff. I don't, I don't put much into that. He was leading a team huddle uh, multiple times in the Georgia game. I was in Athens for that. Like, I mean, I think he's, he's a leader. He wants to win, but yeah, I mean, the offensive struggles Dan are, are real. Um, and for a guy that's one of the highest paid NIL dudes in the league, um, you know, I think it's safe to say it hasn't been the year that anybody hoped for. And if, if Florida wants to make a deep run, like second weekend, they need good Riley. They can't have, you know, the Riley at Georgia that they can't even put on the floor the last six minutes. We're hot right now. Uh, doing pretty well. Is, is the blowing of leads still a, a concern for you? Yes. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, look, um, they've had, they've had seven leads this year of double digits in the second half and six of those games, they've either lost or won by five points or less. Mm. That's not, you know, and I think, so Todd said some of its mentality, like they, they haven't learned culturally how to keep their foot on the pedal yet. Um, and he said, that's, that's on me. That's on our staff. You know, we have to continue to impress upon them the need to do that. Some of that is that this team is disinterested defensively at times. Mm. So we saw that in the first half against Georgia. And I point that one out because everyone can see it in a comeback, right? Like, well, what's uh, defense if nothing that's just getting in the way of my next shot? 
Neil. Yep. Like, if we just don't play it, my next yeah. shot comes quicker. So when Georgia is getting into the paint at will with mediocre guards, like that's about want to. And that was the big challenge that they got from, from Coach Hartman and Coach Golden in the locker room at halftime against Georgia. It was like, what do you guys want your identity to be? Because right now it could be Walt Clayton and Zion Pullen are really damn good. <laughs> and the rest of you don't seem to want to help us win. Mm. And they don't, they're not normally calling out individual players like that, but I think that makes some sense. So Florida gets in front of Georgia and Georgia in classic Blanco fashion goes eight minutes without a bucket. Right. Shout out to Blanco, man. But some okay. of it was, some of it's Blanco and their offense being like, my offenses at Westminster Academy were more threatening than Blanco's. All right. Um, and some of it is also like Florida just guarded them, right? They're like, you know what? We're not going to let you get in the paint every damn drive now. And I think Shout out to Mike White, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. I'm well, well no doubt. Mine, but. but, but you look at this higher, right? And now you look at the way he's worked the portal. I like Todd, the portal God. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, he is, I think he's 12 or 13 and one against people hired contemporaneously with him. The wow. one loss was without Castleton to miss state in the sec tournament by a point. Um, so he's beaten the guys that were hired with him. Um, and I think because people keep asking me about it, I think the recruiting on the high school level, which is the next big piece from a program standpoint is going to pick up soon. Um, but their evaluations have been too really good too, right? Like they signed what was supposed to be the worst class in the SEC, and they have two of the best five freshmen in the league. That's crazy. What um what does this roster look like? I mean, obviously, I know that the you know the last two seasons have been uh, transfer portal patchwork, and we're seeing it all over college basketball. It's not just at the University of Florida. Uh, what does this roster look like next year? Are they going to keep Clayton and Pullen and Samuel and Richard and Kugel and obviously Condon will 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 still be here. Uh, Hawk will still be here. What does this roster look like next season? So the two big challenges are they lose Zion Pullen. He's out of eligibility. Okay. So he he's going to play. I think he's going to play in the NBA or the G League and be pretty good. Um, I've had five different SEC coaching staffs now tell me. Man, we watched Zion Pullen in the on film in the portal, and we knew he was pretty good. But he's the best guard in our he's the best point guard in our league. Wow! Um, you know, I had a Kentucky assistant text me yesterday and said it's not even close either. He said it's not even close how much better he makes. So that is the biggest challenge for Florida will be how do you replace Zion Pullen? Um, I think Riley Kugel will come back. Uh, his NIL package beats what a G league deal would be. It's really mm -hmm. that simple. Um, and he has things to work on. And it, like, again, with Tori in here, Florida cares about development again, which my biggest, other than offense, the biggest problem under Blanco was players did not get better. Mm. It wasn't competitiveness. It wasn't defense. It wasn't, they won a lot of games, right? But the ceiling was so close to the floor because they weren't developing they recruited pretty well, but they didn't develop them. Um, that's not the case with this staff. And then, you know, so so I think they'll get Kugel back. 
Clayton is an interesting one to me because you you talk to five NBA scouts, you get five different answers. <laughs> right. Get like, you know, to me, like I try to look at it. Okay, step back. If it's my son and he can score like a pro already and he just had a baby, you know, so either your NIL package for him is really good. And Florida's in a really good place from an NIL standpoint in basketball. And I don't think people understand because there's so much talk about like, oh, Florida needs to, they need to buck up on NIL and football. And that's probably true. But like from an NIL space and hoops, it's a little easier. Like you get one or two or three big donors. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Chandler Parsons. Yeah, you're good to go. Right. So Florida's war chest is fine. They could put together something for Walt. Does he want to be a college basketball player for another year? Um, mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, I mean, we saw Todd recruit Colin Castleton back, but Colin's mm-hmm. situation was a little different. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, obviously, you know, we've seen a, a lot of talent uh, out of the transfer portal, and, and I would imagine you continue to see this development out of these guys. You're going to continue to see Florida being able to attract, you know, better and better talent out of that uh, the transfer portal. But, uh, you know, it's it's been miraculous work so far. Obviously, the job's not done with uh, with portal god Todd over there, but uh, but so far the results are strong. You know, it's funny, he um, – he spoke to the Pinellas County Gators club a, a few months ago uh, and he didn't want to allude to the nickname. And then Paul Salmon's a, a friend of the program, a really good buddy of mine screamed out portal God Todd. And he just smiled. He's like, yeah, I've heard it. Uh, he's like, if that's what you want to call me, that's what we're going to call him from, uh, from now on here. I so, like it. Um, so Gators right I, now, I privately texted uh, our state Miguel group text. And I think I text Neil too, during one of those long, um, offensive droughts i said he might just be mike white with spreadsheets no and since then just ripped off a string of wins so yeah yeah high proficiency with the spreadsheets <laughs> no, no, no yeah, they got so uh so neil uh i guess final couple questions here gators right now sit in uh, in a decent position right now to compete, uh, you know, for the SEC regular season title here. Obviously, they'll make it into the tournament. Uh, the SEC tournament obviously looks like they're going to make it into the uh, NCAA tournament for the first time in, in a number of years now. Wh- where do you kind of forecast, you know, this Gators team likely finishing up this uh, this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that they'll go either four <laughs> and two or five and one down the stretch. I, I okay. think that the, the coin flip game is the Bama game in the Odom. Um, and you know, if they're five and one down the stretch, I mean, Fawcett and I were joking about it. Like if they're 13 and five, you mentioned, yeah, one game away from controlling your own destiny. Mm-hmm. If they finish 13 and five in the SEC, there's a, there's, there's still a not terrible chance they're SEC co-champions. It just wow. kind of depends on what happens with Tennessee and like, does Tennessee have two losses in them? That's, that could be tough, but, um, in any event, I think they'll get to 12 and six in the league. And then that should get them a five or a six seed. I think they're being undervalued a little bit by some of the bracketologists right now, because mm-hmm. their strength of record is 17th. Um, so that would be like the first five seed. That's one of the things that they use. They don't just use Ken Palm. That's the one all the announcers talk about, but the committee uses Bart Torvik too, Florida's uh, top 16 in Torvik, which would be a four seed. Um, you know, and then I, like I said, elite guard play wins in March. It just, it has forever. That is a truism. So, you know, if Florida plays 
a team that doesn't have guards that are as good as theirs, which is most everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they will have at least somewhat of an advantage in the NCAA tournament. Now, the holding leads thing, like could I see a scenario where Florida is in the second round and playing a three seed and they're up 15 points and say they're the six and they, they get a three, they're up 15, and then they collapse. Absolutely, I could see that scenario playing out. I could also see a scenario where Florida's guards carry them to the second weekend, and then depending on which one seed you get or which two seed you get, like there's no reason that they couldn't make an Elite Eight run. Um, what I don't want to see from anybody, this is my my PSA, use this few moments on Stadium Gale to, to PSA, folks. Please don't send me any bullshit in my DMs about how Mike White made the Elite Eight and if Todd loses in the second round of the Sweet 16, that proves like, no, like this Florida team is the best Florida team. Just pay attention to what you're watching. That's sure. all I'm asking you to do. Yeah. That they definitely hey, turned Neil, the corner. Uh, I don't know if you know this. You only know, watch basketball closely enough, but Mike White took the Florida team to the Elite Eight. Uh, oh my God. That's there yeah, it there is. Was, that's there the was one. one. <laughs> who who was it? Um, I think I think you guys shouted him out on the uh, the Florida basketball hour. Uh, there was somebody that was pumping Mike White's tires this uh, this off season. Oh, John Rothstein. John Rothstein. Uh, yeah, he said that uh, Georgia was uh, one of the better programs in the SEC, and that Mike White deserves credit for their start to the season. Uh, <laughs> they are playing like a traditional Mike White team now. So. Um, I'm sure that they definitely are. Yeah. No, they, de- they definitely are playing like a traditional. I, I looked. I team. looked through his timeline. A lot of comments on basketball. None on Mike White or the Florida Gators uh, during that time. Uh, Neil, I do have a question for you. Right now, you mentioned Gator strength of, of record is 17th in the country right now. Still, Florida is not ranked. I mean, they, maybe they will be this uh, this week. But uh, why do you think Florida's not been uh, been ranked yet? Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the, that's an, that's a great one. And I think, look, I think the biggest reason is just the last couple of seasons of, and public perception of the program, right? Like Florida went from having the longest NCAA tournament appearance streak in the sec to not being really a bubble team at all last year. Mm -hmm. Right. They went to the NIT, got blown out on their home floor by UCF. Um, They, the year before, they were barely on the bubble when they got to the SEC tournament, lost, Blanco quit the next day, went to Georgia. Um, So, yeah, no, good. I mean, it's – I still can't believe the University of Georgia paid the University of Florida real American dollars for Mike White. It's astonishing. It's astonishing. And, like, it actually – like, that is encouraging to me. Like, as an American just grinding, like, you just never know, like – you never know, like what opportunity could befall you, even if you're mediocre. Yeah, no, that's fact. Like the athletic director somewhere, you uh, you're good for the rest of your career. I mean, good God, uh, but but so I think I think there's a perception issue. Like it's still, and that's the thing. That's the attention and the eyeballs matter, man. They matter to recruits. They matter to you know. I think this is as energized as the fan base has been about basketball in a long time. Florida started a year in the beginning of this decade, the COVID year, they start the year in the top five. Now they were in the top 25 some that year on and off, but they could never really get 
any consistency from a team that had a bunch of NBA players on it. Um, and so look, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they should, they should probably be getting more respect than they're getting based mm-hmm. on their strength record, based on their efficiency numbers. I did see Gary Parrish, who I think is great. Um, put him in his top 25, but then uh, Tom Fletcher, who I think is great at on three, didn't have him in his ballot this week. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting. Like I'd hate for them to get ranked this week and get boat raced by Bama. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think it'll be a competitive game. Neil, what we've seen the team kind of turning the corner uh, this year and showing some improvement. Uh, what are you seeing differently from from Todd Golden? Like how how has he become? He's like he's coming to his own a little bit. What are you seeing differently from him? No, that's a good question. Look, I think uh, I think that they they don't run a lot of stuff on offense, but what they run, they run really well. Um, and then it's a roster construction thing. Like they're this was a a huge development and roster construction were a problem under the prior regime. Mm-hmm. Um, this team has built a roster. Todd said, you know what I want to do? I want to go get really good guards that can run my ball screen offense. But then uh, when we miss shots, we have got to compete on the glass because it's the SEC and everybody's super physical. Well, Florida's second in the country in rebounding percentage, offensive rebounding percentage. So when they miss shots, they get second shots. Well, that's how you offset like, if you don't run elite offense, which I'd say Florida's offense is good, but again, it's not terribly multiple what they do, but it doesn't matter if you're getting multiple possessions every time, right? Like that's mm-hmm. how you, you, what do you do to correct the things you're not as strong yet at a co- as a coach yet? Well, you go out and build a roster that can handle some of your deficiencies. So Todd has done that really wisely, I think. Um, and Florida doesn't have a lot of wings, which has been a problem in a couple of their losses. They don't have those, you know, kind of six, five, six, 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 seven dudes that are real switchable can guard mm-hmm. five spots. Um, I, they would have had one with edge Jarvis, the kid from Yale. Yeah. Uh, he had to quit basketball, um, had a medical thing, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, like, look, it's still one of the most well-constructed rosters in the league. And again, getting his evaluations right with, with how can Condon is also, is also key. The one thing I will say too, Silk is like Todd is definitely a smart defensive dude. Like he understands defense. So I think that's a point of pride for him right now. It's like, why is my team looking disinterested defensively? Because it isn't my scheme. Like it's not what Florida does from an X and O standpoint. That's, that's hurting them on defense. It's, you know, just will, will to guard. Mm. Well, Neil, we appreciate your time today, my friend. I know that you're a busy guy and I appreciate you carving out a, uh, probably longer uh, than a lot of time during your day to talk a little bit about Florida Gators basketball, but it's exciting uh, to talk about uh, the improvement that, uh, that the Gators basketball program uh, is making. And we appreciate your time before you leave, let everybody know where they can follow you. I know you do some writing, obviously I know you have your podcast as well. So let everybody know where they can follow you along. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I get Twitter at NW Blackman, um, or you can follow the Florida Basketball Hour Twitter at Florida BB Hour. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, check out check out our podcast. Our, mm-hmm. I can tell people are excited because we've got ridiculously, you know, our for us <laughs> ridiculously good numbers right now. Good. 
Um, and that that's exciting because like we've we've been plodding along for six years, wondering when we'd have a really good team to cover. You know, not everybody gets to De La Torre or the the Sully era. That's mm. right. Well, I also have to cover uh, f- four different football coaches. Yeah, well, so have I. So. Yeah, Neil. Again, thank you so much for your uh, your time today. Let's get you back on in a couple weeks, and the Gators hopefully make that deep March run. We appreciate Thanks, your time, guys. my friend. We'll talk to you soon. See it. All right, boys. Any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up today's episode? With a whole show with no no damn face comments. So no, yeah. Uh Silk, you have song of the week. Let's give a quick shout out to our oh, friends snap. over at Alumni Hall. Go visit alumnihall.com or go visit them on Archer Road in beautiful Gainesville, Florida. Anything that you would want, accessories, apparel, golf, men's, women's, children. Anybody in between, grilling accessories, tailgate accessories, whatever it might be, go visit Alumni Hall. Tell them that Stadium and Gale sent you. But again, alumnihall.com or Alumni Hall right off of 75 on Archer Road. So let's get yeah, started. I've been, been listening to a lot of Deontay Hitchcock lately. Let me get uh, Deontay Hitchcock. How the fuck? It's TF, so it don't spell out how the fuck, but how TF. How TF. How TF. So, uh, perfect. We appreciate everybody that uh, watched us on YouTube, watched us on Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter, whatever the name is now. Uh, Please make sure you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button as well. We appreciate you guys. And Nick, I hope you have a great baseball-filled week. Silk, we will see you next week. And we hope you guys have a fantastic week. Go Gators. And we'll see you next week. I'm supposed to tell you that I love you when I just really discover what love is Running away again, how the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I need you I need a second to think but you dug in Running away again, how the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I want you When all I know is I never wanted to end Running away again, how the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I love you When I just really discover what love is Running away again, how the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I love you And know I really fucking mean what I said You know I'm dealing with a million fucking things in my head you know I need you like the ad nigga breathe But instead of having my back You'd rather turn your back to me in the bed You know I Fuck it, I just need to unwind You know that I ain't trying to be the fucking reason you crying You know I'm working Know I got a lot of things on my mind You know that I want to be with you 100% of the time And she like Nigga, if you love me, then say you love me then I told you my secrets, nigga, don't judge me then Still indecisive, okay, well fuck it then Your dumb ass always trying to get the upper hand in the situation Look, I understand, wait, no fuck this shit, no I don't Wait forever while you get you together No, I won't, if I still feel lonely with you Then I'd rather just be alone Deep down, I know what she wants. How the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I love you When I just really discover what love is Running away again How the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I need you I need a second to think what you dug in Running away again How the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I want you When all I know is I never wanted to 
end Running away again How the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I love you When I just really discover what love is Running away again Okay, now high TF am I supposed to exercise? Saying all these words in my head out loud. Were you lying when you said you were proud? Cause I got work to do. Last thing I'm trying to do is work on me while hurting you. I know I'm known for breaking hard shit. But don't hold that against me, I was figuring it out. Really, I know when your mama want inside the house. I just had to practice matching actions with my mouth. I've been through a lot of little traumatized. But now I feel like big magic, you ain't ever kiss magic You gon' draw the boat and I'ma pop a molly Tequila with the worm and the weeds, got it too hotty Though I'm too old to be stepping on my own foot I blame myself, but I need you to take a second look Probably robbed you for your feelings, cause my ex made me a crook Now I'm in it for the books, How the yeah. fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I love you When I just really discover what love is, running away again How the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I need you I need a second to think that you dug in, running away again How the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I want you When all I know is I never wanted to end, running away again How the fuck I'm supposed to tell you that I love you When I just really discover what love is running away again. Hey, hey. Once upon a rhyme in the corner, deep in my mind, without transcend space and become moments in time. Blind ambition, set back with a watchful eye on the web of love. At first sight would be something that he would find. Hold up, too sweet for words and truly one of a kind. Kind soul convos about how the stars could align so perfect. And at a time so worth it, hold up, I'm lying. Lying down in the bed, uneasy, but on the surface, I'm fine. And then, like. She would have asked me, she was like, what a we? I had to look at that, I was like, what a we? We are homo sapiens. We human beings, we you and I. That's it, that's we. I mean, I fuck with y'all, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, that love shit weird.